With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Can you overdose on vitamins? You can. Vitamins A, D, E, and K. Fat-soluble vitamins, not water-soluble vitamins such as B and C. Right. How much, where do you get vitamin A from? Polar bear liver. That's the most common source of overdose on vitamin A. Polar bear liver? Yep. Or people, Inuits, eating it? Yep. It's really, really concentrated. Okay. One, B's fine. All the C's B's. fine. So there was a, they really fucked up the naming of the vitamins because it goes A, B1, B2, B3, B4, B5, B6. C, D, E, F, and then nothing till K. Why? I don't know. So, but K was a bad one. K, yeah. So D, what's D? What's vitamin D? That's the sunlight. Should, should we do a... Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Should we do our show? Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah. I, I was waiting for someone to say start. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the list of absolutely everything that might kill you. A comprehensive compilation of the seemingly innocuous everyday items that are secretly plotting your downfall. We will provide you with the tools you need to survive the unexpected dangers lying in wait at work, during your commute, and even in the comfort of your own home. I'm Matt Edmondson. I'm Adam Kay. And this week, we are pitting another two potentially deadly items against each other. And I'll be here as usual. My name is Professor Jennifer Fisser-Rogers, and I'm the resident statistician for the list of absolutely everything that might kill you. So come and then join us, put on your high-vis, fasten your seatbelt, and most importantly... Keep your arms and legs inside the podcast at all times. I'm ready. Today we've gone for a theme, Adam, which is uh, something in the world of physical activity, sports, that kind of thing. Yep. Are you much of a sports fan? Uh, I watch, sit, sit upset and watch West Ham yeah. fail to win. Right. But beyond that, I try not to participate in sports because, mm. as I discovered when I was when I was doing my research, it's pretty dangerous. Very a lot, dangerous. Of, lot of harm doing any kind of physical activity. Yeah, I uh, I once broke a wrist playing hockey. Actually, I was trying to avoid playing hockey, and I still broke my wrist. You broke your own wrist, so you didn't have to play hockey. No, no. But a, a friend broke my wrist playing hockey. We, um, I'm not a sporty kid, and uh, my friend and I got roped into PE. And we, me and my mate Reese, who I'm still friends with, uh, were stood to one side. We were on opposing teams, stood to one side. And uh, the ball came towards us and we had to do something because the kids who cared would, you know, not be kind to us if we didn't get involved. And so Reese just tripped me over. He just grabbed his hockey stick and uh, out my leg. Fell well over. designed for a comedy. It's perfect, for that, like a shepherd's crook. <laughs> Um, and I fell forward and, and I broke my wrist. Broke your fall with your wrist. Mm, yeah. Mm. It was, uh, it was painful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not getting that much sympathy back from you, but I, no, guess, um, I guess you've seen worse. This is, it's, it's not very good for the, for the entirely audio medium of the podcast. I'm going to ask you to look at my tongue. Uh-huh. Um, oh yeah. I'm going to show you a little flap in my tongue. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm seeing that. Uh-huh. I've never seen anything like it before. It's like a trap door in your tongue. Yeah. So I was uh, pl- 
playing cricket against my will. Yeah. Who's he? That's really, really early doors for, for one of your jokes. Well, I thought it might work, and it did. Oh, oh brilliant. Oh, I'm glad it worked. Um, I was being bowled at by Robert Eames. Oh, yeah. Full name. You remember the guy. I remember the guy. Um, it was a much more competent overall, probably overall human than me, but particularly in, in the cricket field. And, it, you know, it bounced. I didn't uh, hit the ball, uh, with, but what I did manage to do with my cricket bat was hit my own face <gasps> and bit down oh. on my tongue. And it went, my, my tooth went through my tongue <gasps> and it didn't stop bleeding for ages and ages and ages. Um, how old are you? Uh, now or then? No, uh, how old were you? Okay, fine. I was about, about 11, 12. Okay. And it, uh, when it eventually sort of healed up, it left a sort of a, f- a flap in which I can occasionally trap a piece of sweet corn. Mm. Do you, yeah, does food go in there and calcify ever? No, I've not, I've not sort of like found it after a long period of time, but you know, like when you're picking stuff out of your teeth with mm. your tongue after, after your, your, your pizza, sometimes find a, it's, it's worth having a quick check in there. Because mm. I, I have tonsil stones, which you'll be aware of, oh, right? Oh, aware of those. Tonsil stones, are, they're they're they grim. smell bad. They're terrible. For people who don't know what a tonsil stone is, worth a Google if you like this sort of thing. Um, I don't have them as bad as the ones you're going to find on the internet, okay? I want to just clarify that now. But um, basically, at the back of my... You can probably explain this better than I can, but at the back of my tonsils, there are little pockets and um, stuff goes into them, bits of food and stuff, and then over time they calcify, and then they turn into these balls of what I can only describe as being like goat's cheese, and um, well, that's how they make goat's cheese. Yeah, exactly. They, um, yeah, they either sort of volunteer themselves out of the holes, which is quite horrifying because you're like, oh, what's that in my mouth? Oh, it's a tonsil Or you have to go a probing for Go fishing, them. yeah. Yeah. Grim. Any other moment? Open wide. Uh, no, all clear. No, but I am getting more holes back there. Should I be concerned about that? I mean, I know that I'm not, I'm not a doctor anymore, but should I be concerned that there's like... I don't know. Oh, God. All right, what's the point? <laughs> the point is we're going to talk about sports. Oh, yeah, true. Right. So I, I was doing my Googling yes. to find out what dangerous sport to pitch. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I realized is it seems to be equally dangerous being a spectator as actually doing the sport. And basically, not only should you not do any sport, but you should stay at home. Okay, I've been waiting for someone to say that for a long time, because that is how I live my life. So um, a woman was watching a baseball game. Right. Hitting her head, dead. No. Yeah. What, by the baseball? By the baseball, at the Dodgers. She wasn't a Dodger, didn't dodge, got hit, died. Oh, no. I wonder what the etiquette there is for the sport. Do they carry on playing? You can't carry on playing after that, can you? Maybe they do. I don't. I don't know. No. So that. So there was. There was. There was that. And um, I looked up base jumping because I thought that sounds very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. But then I. I got distracted by a base jumping fact, and I never really went into how bad it was. Which is like base is an acronym for like the four things you jump off. Oh, buildings. Buildings. Uh. Uh. uh, uh anus. No. Uh. Uh. Ah. Uh, 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 Airport facilities? No. Aeroplanes? No, no, that's not based on me. AstroTurf? No, that would be a shortfall. It's buildings, antennae. Right. Spans, including bridges. Yes. 
but they should have just gone British. So it should have been babe jumping. Mm. Babe jumping. Babe jumping. Yes. And earth, which just refers to like if there's a cliff or something. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You're right, watching sports can be deadly. It reminds me of, um, and this is a person watching sports that wasn't even at the venue. Do you remember the entertainer Rod Hull? Of course I and remember Rod Hull. Equally, his colleague. E- yeah, his equally uh, brilliant, talented colleague, Emu. Yes. Um, famous for, well, for being, Emu famous for being an Emu. I think that for an international audience, yeah, I, I think it does need, does need full description. So, uh, Rod Hull, human man. Emu. An emu, but not a real one. It's a puppet. Bright blue. Bright blue. Uh, Rod Hull, and I'm going to spoil the method here, guys. I'm sorry. Rod Hull's arm is in neck of emu, and he operates... You've heard of a puppet. You know how they work. It's just a puppet emu. Um, and but it's big. It's, it's big. It's big. It's big. Oh, yeah. It's not a finger puppet. It's if, you a ma- full... if you imagine its neck is a full arm. Exactly. That's the scale of He's elbow of deep in that emu. All right? You can't see any arm. And, uh, and the... I think the act is that the emu is basically just an excuse for Rod Hull attacking to, people to attack people. Yeah. Um, so if you are looking for an excuse, there it's is an angry man with an outlet. Exactly. There is an opening because sadly he died. I remember this story. He uh, he was watching football at home. Oh, you and that's know this why it's story. A fate. Yeah, I didn't know it was football. Yeah, watching football and uh, signal was bad. This is you know pre-digital. Obviously, he didn't have iPlayer back then. And uh, and when his son sent him to the, to the roof. roof. Emu can hold the ladder. <laughs> Rod and I don't think Emu was there. If I'm honest with you, I think Rod just went up. Emu survives. Emu's probably formed a new double act. Um, anyway, Rod went up there, uh, played with the aerial, and fell off the roof and died. And that's all because of the disease that is football. It is, yeah. So uh, so. What we're now saying is you can't play it, you can't watch it live, yeah. and you absolutely can't watch it at home. Exactly. It's killed even a puppet emu. So I'm intrigued then. You've rejected lots of things. What did catch your eye? What have you gone for? I went for motorsports. Ah, yeah. Do you know what? I, ah, I'm annoyed by that because... It's I've, clearly I've going watched, to win, isn't it? I just, I've watched Drive to Survive. And I've seen a lot of crashes. Some survive, but famously, some don't. Some don't, yeah. It's, um, You're going at, I don't know how fast this car goes, let's say 8,000 miles an hour. Mm. If, you, if you crash on one of those, that's got to be pretty much game over. I reckon so. I mean, on, so I, I uh, couldn't see the appeal of Formula One for a very long time. I thought, why would anyone watch it? It's just, and it's gone. You can't even see what's going on. All the... Drivers were sort of faceless people. They were just behind these helmets. I I thought it's boring and people are pretending to like it and they should just do it in a couple of laps and have it over with. And then I watched Drive to Survive and I'm obsessed with it. Have you seen the show? What is it? It's It's a documentary series all about Formula One, but they it's like a soap opera. All of the different drivers have these rivalries. They go from team to team. There's a finite number of spaces. It's like full of these weird alpha energies. It's have great. any of them died? Not in the series that I've watched, but there was a guy who flipped his car and it set on fire. <gasps> and he had to crawl out of the car whilst it was on fire and he was on fire. And he sort of barely survived. It's amazing. Yeah, I... Uh, I, I really like motorsport now. Well, specifically Formula One. It's um, it's incredible. 
And yet you didn't think. I didn't think about take it. Take it. No, it's maybe because in Drive to Side there have thankfully been no fatalities. Well, they have been, I would say, very lucky. Because every year, a hundred deaths. No. Yeah. And half of those, for the people doing it, half of those are the people around them. And that is split between the spectators <gasps> and the people who work there. What? So like the people with the, you know, with the stripy flags. Checkered flags, yes. Checkered flags. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You really do know your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and the people doing the catering. Oh, no. Yeah, the, the person who's put in the, the temporary Wi-Fi so everyone can log on. You know, all of these people just doing an honest day's work, occasionally burning car will fly through the air and slice their head off. I mean, it's a, it's a risk, isn't it, of being in a crowd there. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to do it anyway because I think, I think the price per second view of the cars isn't good. Not good value. So you get, you get a better view on... On telly. Definitely. As you do with, I would say, all sports. I would say everything's better on television. Want to go on safari? Watch David Attenborough. Yeah. Much better. You got him narrating Nothing's going to sting you or bite you. Or exactly. Take your leg off. Those are some terrifying stats. A hundred people a year. Yeah. And half of those are motorbikes rather than uh, normal cars. That doesn't surprise me. Do you know about the Isle of Man TT? The Isle of Man TT, so T, they named it twice. I yep. don't. It is a motorcycle racetrack. It is on... The Isle of Man. Yeah, you do know about it, see? Um, so since the course was set up about uh -huh. 100 years ago, it has killed 265 competitors. Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Get it gone. There's something there that's clearly... Wildly, there's like the sort of the bit we jump over the sharks or something. Yeah, there's something very bad about it that what? someone just needs to. So you work at the at the BBC. Mm. If it was found out that <laughs> two hundred and sixty seven people had died in the course of their work, someone would have to look at it and go, "We need to do something about yeah. this." Is it worth the trade off? They'd yeah. say there is also the thing with motorsports that is that why people are watching it. Oh, I don't think so. I think some people just have an unhealthy obsession with speed. Are you someone that likes to go fast? Um, I, I, I used to drive sports cars. Right. Uh, because I don't know. And now I've got old. What were you compensating for, Adam? What was going on at the time? <laughs> it's because I'm very slow on my own feet. Right, okay. okay. <laughs> um, but now... I, I'm the slowest person on the motorway. Mm. I've become I've become very cautious. I'm very I'm very particular about making sure that I abide by the speed limit, and I get very annoyed when other people don't. And I get annoyed when I'm driving at the maximum speed, and then someone comes along and gets too close behind me, and I think, do you know what? I'm going to just stay exactly where I am because I'm at the absolute peak of where the law is there. And uh, if they ever do a dangerous overtake, or worse, an undertake, I commit them to uh, some future punishment in my mind. And that's why I've got that big list of number plates that's next right. to you. No, I just like to you say... ever see them again. Hang on, can I, I do need to stop you there. So let's, let's put you in a three-lane motorway situation. Yeah, yeah. Which lane are you in? Left lane, okay. far left. Okay, so you're not you're not doing that in the middle. Sometimes I'm doing it in the middle lane. Because I'm you can't be do that. Sometimes I'm doing it in the middle lane. But mostly I keep left. 
is it the only sport where they do the the shaky champagne? Yeah, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't want to be on a podium. I don't. Oh yeah, as a non-drinker, how do you how do you stand on the being sprayed with? Would you have to ask yeah. that numbers two and three on the platform don't use spray slur? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'd have to find some uh, uh, no secco. Um, it is a real it's a real product, guys. Uh, <laughs> That's a potential sponsor. Yeah, there you go. I've not been mean about them yet. Well, I got given some for Christmas. Was it dog shit? Clearly wasn't going to drink it. So uh, that's going to get re-gifted. But who do you re-gift no secco to? I don't know. But people aren't dying from um, being doused in champagne, waterboarded in champagne. I have have not investigated that. Uh, I mean, champagne itself, there's there's a... That in one of those through the eye, through the back of the brain. Has that I mean, happened? Could do. Could do, could oh, Also, how about the lunatics who open champagne bottles with that big sword? Oh, sword thing. It's got a name. There's a Ridiculous. fancy French name for that. So that's going to have a, yeah. a certain mortality. But we, but we think within motorsport, probably not. Probably not on the actual podium. No. But it would be good to get the full data. Yes. So I can know once and for all that I have nailed this topic. Mm. Have you got any more uh, examples of bad things that have happened? Only ones that are so unbelievably tragic they will get cut from the podcast. Okay. Well, in that case, let's find out what Jen has to say. To help us get some accurate data here, we focused our scores on the most dangerous motorsport event and the most dangerous mountaineering task later on. The Alaman TT race is undoubtedly the most dangerous motorsport on two wheels, an event where there's an average of three deaths per year. And with a relatively small number of entrants, that gives it a whopping micromalt score of anything up to 17,000. That's quite a lot. That is, I mean, it's more than quite a lot. It's That's deadly. an unassailable lead. And uh, I think we could probably end the episode here. Hold your horses, or indeed your horsepower, Carl. Oh, yeah. Car yeah, 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 that works. Definitely works. Definitely uh, works. Because I think I've got something that's potentially even more deadly. And it involves mountains. Mountaineering. It's a sport. Don't question me on it, Adam. It's a sport. It's a sport. People go hiking. People will go up mountains. It's, we said, sort of adventurous, sporty stuff. Mountains. That, that is dangerous, isn't it? It's very dangerous, yeah. I mean, it depends on the size of the mountain. I'm not quite sure, and I should have done this in my research, at what point a hill becomes a mountain. There must be some sort of height where that happens. I think at the point where you need equipment, mm. it's no longer a hill. Well, you say that, but I once climbed Pendle Hill and needed to buy new shoes for it, so... Okay. Yeah. Are they called crampons? Uh, if you need crampons, then it's a mountain? I, isn't that something you put in soup? Um... A carabiner? Yes, that's one. That's a thing. That's a, that's that's a thing. I did rock, indoor rock climbing once. They had carabiners there. Uh, okay. Are, are you including those stats? For indoor rock climbing, no, I don't think so. Uh, it's just a, a proper mountaineering. Indoor rock climbing, you're sort of atta- you're attached to wires and things. Yes, you've got a little harness got on. David Copperfield wire. Yeah. Hey, don't ruin the magic. Um, <laughs> you've got one of those harnesses that squeeze your testicles so tight you think, maybe I'll never father another child. And they uh, they sort of winch you up, and then they they give you some chalk for your hands, and oh, away you go to draw on the mountain. That's right. Yep. Uh, you just draw a couple of pictures. You write, "Matt was here." Yeah. Um, and you jump back down. Jump back down. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, have you have you ever done outdoor 
rock climbing? No, I don't think I have. I say I don't think I have. I haven't. Okay. Uh, no. I, 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 the closest I've come is uh, climbing Pendle Hill as a kid. It was near where my grandma lived. It had, it had a voice. Uh, whenever we drove towards Pendle Hill, uh, my parents would say, oh, who's going to see Pendle Hill first? And me and my sister had to compete to see it first. And then when we saw so it... So this is an inland version of I Can See the Sea? Yes, exactly. Fine. Uh, and Where is Pendle Hill? It's uh, in Lancashire. Yep. Uh, not far from Preston, sort of that way. Oh, yeah, okay. Near a place called Clitheroe. And uh, we would spot, try and spot Pendle Hill. There, was no, there were no iPads back then, Adam. So in the back of a car, this is all we had. This is what we had. And uh, we... It's a very specific game of I Spy. Yeah, and it was a seven-hour drive, so it was a long wait for that hill. So we would get... We'd see the hill... And then we'd say, hello, Pendle Hill. And it would say, hello, Matt. Hello, Kate. Oh, yeah. Are you going to climb me? <laughs> and we'd say, yes, we are. And we'd have a conversation with the hill. Was- and does everyone have this conversation? Or was that quite your family specific? I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I, mean, I, I think people, people can write in and, uh, and let us know if they've experienced the, uh, well, the, the magic voice of dep- Pendle Hill. It depends if the hill was up for talking to you or not, but it definitely spoke to me well, many nice. times. And uh, we went up there with uh, Kendall Mint Cake, which my family called Pendle Mint Cake because they oh, because stay, of the hip, because, because of the hip. They rhyme, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tastes t- taste disgusting, by the way. Have you ever had Kendall Mint Cake? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh. I don't like mint in food. Yeah. Would you ever uh, just eat a bit of toothpaste because it tastes nice? Uh, I don't use toothpaste. Okay, right. I forget you're purely a charcoal guy. <laughs> um, so, uh, but no one's ever died on Pendle Hill, I'm going to say. I, do you know what? I can't confirm or deny that. I don't know. It may have taken a life or two. It was, it's, it's a very brisk couple of hours walk up that hill. And I think, no, do you know what? Things have died. I found a rabbit skull on oh. Pendle Hill. Another rabbit. I mean, how many podcasts are we in now? Two? Two dead rabbits already. Yes. <laughs> All roads lead back to buttons. As we know, rabbits are pretty much immortal. Mm. So you shouldn't ever see evidence of a dead rabbit. No. No. So that's, that's, that's uh, is, is dangerous up there. It's only when they fly too close to the sun. And oh, and... so there's altitude sickness. That's a thing, isn't yes, it? Yes, there is. So altitude sickness takes effect at roughly 2,500 metres above sea level. Um, and so if you're and going... Pendle Hill? Pendle Hill... Takes place less than 2,500. Less than that, yeah. It's yeah. somewhere underneath. Somewhere underneath. Just, just underneath. Mm. It's, like, it's like the... Because everyone knows that Everest is the tallest mountain. Yes. And then K2 is the second tallest. So there must be a smallest mountain. Th- I, I think you could claim anything was the third tallest because no one knows what that is. So it could, you could just say Pendle Hill. Interesting you ask. Pendle Hill's 557 metres. And I haven't just been told that by a producer that we edited out. <laughs> 557 metres. That's pathetic. You know, well, it's not because, do you know what height it would have had to be to be classified as a mountain? 600 metres. Oh, okay. It was only 43 metres off. So if they built like a, a tall enough block of flats At the on top, top of it... It could become a mountain. It could be a mountain. Exactly. I might just, every time I climb it, just add a little bit more soil to the top. Oh, yeah. Maybe if this, if this podcast can achieve anything, mm. if everyone who listens to it brings a bit of earth to stack on top of Pendle, Pendle Hill, Hill, one day... If we all believe, it could be a mountain. We're literally moving mountains with this podcast. It's incredible. Thank you. So, back to Everest. Lukla, 
where most of the climbers begin their journey is 2,860 metres above sea level. And if you were to go there, you've got to get to... So the bottom of Everest yeah, is already, it's already a mountain. Yes, it's a mountain to get up to the start of the mountain. Now, I've heard of Everest Base Camp, right? And yep. when, when I hear that, I think, right, that's the place you start. Yeah, that's great. That's where the gift shop is. Exactly. Base Camp, you have to undertake a 10-day trek to get to it, Fuck to get off. to Base Camp. They need to they need to rename that. I know. So what happens if on you know you sort of you perish on day nine and everyone's going to be didn't even make it. Uh. Yeah, died on Everest. Where it was before we got to base camp actually. Yeah, he died just before he got to the Wild Bean Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, if you climb too rapidly, which I bloody would, knowing me. Uh, yeah, then, you want to do that in three days? Exactly. ten days. Nah, mate, I'll do it in five. Do you know what? I once went, uh, sidebar, I once went narrow boating with some friends, my mate Tom. The, the other most dangerous sport. Um, <laughs> you were talking about speed earlier. Well, let me tell you, you've not really felt the real thrill of it until you've travelled at three miles per hour down a canal. So we went, uh, we went boating and when we hired the boat, my friend Tom said to the person who owned it, what's the furthest anyone's ever gotten this thing? And he said, oh, it's, you know, Bath or whatever. And Tom was like, we're going to do it. So we tried to go as fast as anyone's ever been yep. in this thing. We made it there. I made it back. But the entire trip was dreadful because all we were doing was driving a boat. We didn't get off. We didn't eat. It was just narrow boat so the whole there was a, a rental for a specific length of time. Yes. We had right. to get it there and back just so that Tom could say, we got it further than you said we could, mate. Ten, <laughs> ten days, did it in nine. <laughs> Um, so, so, you, so you are a prime candidate for altitude sickness. I'm a prime candidate for any sickness. Um, my immune system ain't good, uh, but it can bring about a condition known as, uh, this is difficult to say uh, for two reasons. One, it's a tricky word. And two, I'm doing it in front of a doctor. Uh, hyperbaric hypoxia. 10 points. Which is? Um, it's if you don't have enough oxygen. That's correct. That's correct. Because yeah. you don't have enough hyperbaric must be low pressure and hypoxia definitely means low oxygen mm, yeah. so um, lack of oxygen reaching the tissues of the body the tissues of the body is just you though isn't it that's you yes yeah. Yeah. lack of oxygen reaching you all of the tissues yeah. I like to think of myself as tissues um, now if I invited you to come for a walk to a place with me and I said look we're going to go a lovely trip out oh sounds nice there is an area of it that's uh, called the death zone. Anyway, oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. Oh, no, hang on. So I'm busy. I, I think I'm busier than I thought. You don't want to come to the death zone? No, I've just I've just had a, a text from my uh, my accountant. I need to I need to phone him about my uh, my, my VAT return. Right, fair enough. You, you have a nice time at the death zone. I will. Well, it's a section of that mountain of Everest, eight thousand meters above sea level. The air is so thin that the body's cells start to die. And so if you're up there and you've got your brain and your lungs deprived of oxygen... Uh, so you're literally just turning to dust. It's like Thanos has snapped his fingers and you're one of the 50%. Okay, and do a, do a reference to non-nerds. Uh, it's like you are a vampire from Buff the Vampire Slayer and you've had a stake go through your heart. Now we're talking. Uh, please tell me you understand the Thanos reference. Reference. I only understand the Thanos reference from other people making the same have reference. You, have you not seen Endgame? Um, I, have you not seen the Avengers? I've, I've seen that. Oh, it's, Adam! I, so yeah, where were we? Deprived of oxygen, uh, increased risk of stroke or Producers heart attack. have presumably uh, cut out the 
five minutes talking we did about James Corden and uh, <laughs> and now we're now we're on to some other way of dying. What else? Are you... Look, there are only so many ways of complimenting him and his work. We're, <laughs> we're, we're both big fans, all right. They just don't have time for it. If anything, the lawyers would be pissed off how complimentary we were. Exactly, we're being imbalanced. Yeah, other other uh, actors slash. Uh, presenters would sue us for not talking about them so nicely. Exactly. I don't want Stephen Colbert on my back. Now, I know you're thinking, well, actually, I don't know what you're thinking. If I did. I'm, I'm thinking about dinner. Are you thinking about dinner? Yeah. Well, stop thinking about that for a second. Instead, turn your mind to what do you think people die of on Everest the most? Well, you can obviously fall off. I don't know if it's got like a, a cliff edge, but I imagine... Even just falling off bits of it's bad. Yep. You don't have to fall down the full 8,000 metres. Second biggest killer of the falls. Uh, quite substantial. In 2012, a guide fell 46 metres. That's the equivalent of a 15-storey building into an ice crevasse. And was he all right? No, died, sadly. Perished. Perished. Okay. Yeah. So that's number two. That's number two, yeah. Altitude sickness isn't up there. Uh, that is up there, yeah. But it's not of, number one. No, that's number three. Exhaustion number four. What's number one? Gout. Not gout. Why, why would they get gout? I don't know. Might just lots of lots of gout. No. Um, what could happen up a big snowy mountain? Oh God! It's just like it's just like all of, all of my university vivers come back. To, oh, it's an avalanche. An avalanche. It's an avalanche. It's an avalanche. Yes, get wiped out. 40%. But that doesn't happen if you're at the top of the mountain. No, that's true. That, so that's it's only true. those losers who are only down at base camp. Yeah. You are probably responsible for the avalanche if you're up well, at the top. sneezing at the top. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. I just stopped to tie my shoelace. I didn't realise. Didn't realise it was going to cause forty <laughs> percent of the deaths on Everest. Drop my lucky boulder. Yeah. And so forty percent. Forty percent. Yeah. So Everest is sort of littered with corpses. There's cadavers all up the thing. Uh, Presumably very well preserved because it's cold. Very well preserved. Uh, over 200 of them. Some of them now they use as landmarks. So they'll be like, oh, yeah, oh, there's, no. a guy with the gr- there's a guy with the green boots. Oh, no, hang a left there. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, on, the, no. on the sat nav, turn left at dead green boot man. Oh, that's quite. I'd want to know that before, before I signed up for my charity Everest climb that I was going to have to see 200 corpses laid out in sort of and do they have they moved them so their hands no. are pointing <laughs> like in the right direction <laughs> turn them into signage yeah uh gift shop this way no they've uh they've not uh a lot of them can't be recovered because it's just too too dangerous too deadly to go and get them so they often just lie there but as the uh sorry to get serious for a second guys but global warming is an issue that's affecting all of us as the earth warms and the ice melts away more and more of those bodies are getting revealed Oh, yeah, I guess they would. Mm. And also Everest's getting easier to climb. Quite right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, by the year 2060, it'll just Everyone be, will be a standard stair lift that takes yeah, you up. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so every cloud. Yeah, uh, but do you know what? There's one, potentially one thing more deadly even than an avalanche. Cues. Cues? Yeah, the cues. So they uh, give out licenses to climb Everest. Do you know how much it costs to get a license? 80 quid. 9,000 pounds. No. Yep, 9,000 pounds. For, for almost certain death. Yes. Yes. So, uh, and they, they 
haven't at any point not given a license out. If you want a license, they'll just give you a license okay. to do it. So like a TV license. Exactly. It isn't an exclusive club. Yes, but you pay nine grand for it. And it means that there can be a bit of a backlog on the mountain. So you'll be there with more people, which means that there's more chance of people falling over and uh, uh, avalanches wiping people out and that sort of thing. Oh, right. So, so you're literally queuing to get from base camp to like climb up the rest of the mountain. Oh, which probably takes some of the thrill out of it. I think so, yeah. So if you, if I would want to come back from Everest and, you know, and talk about the, the solitude and the majesty and the grandeur and being in a place where only a select few humans have ever trodden. Yeah, you want to stand on the side of that mountain and uh, sing Let It Go like Dina Menzel at the top of your voice. Setting off yet another avalanche <laughs> for poor people on base camp. He did let it go, I'm afraid. <laughs> and it was it was snow. <laughs> um, I don't want to be queuing, no, like 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 for the view at the top of the you know Empire State or something. Yeah, can I um can I say something controversial, which I don't think most people will agree with? I'm not one for a view. I don't really understand views. Okay, so you know, like when people are people say, oh. If I moved into this beach house, I'd enjoy the view. I, I'd never get sick of looking out of that window at that beach. And I think you would. I'd give it a day. I know for a fact that you have windows in your house. I've got windows. Uh, sash windows. I've got sash windows. Uh, do I ever look out of them? No. No, I, I genuinely, I'm not that fat. When people are like, I just want to, let's go and look at the view. I think, why? No interest. Well, I mean, that's... I'd say that's unusual. Mm, I don't like... Well, what, are we getting out of, what are you getting out of a view? Let's imagine we go on a big trek. We get to the top of it, somewhere stunning. We're in Austria. We look out at the mountains. It's nothing I've not seen on a Windows 98 backdrop. Sure, but you can dismiss almost... You, you, are you happy to dismiss all of art? Well, that's just... start listing some and let's... <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, just small views. Little view. I never thought of that. You're right. I mean, we're getting off piste here, Adam. Uh, but oh, like in like, skiing, like which in people skiing. do on mountains. Mountains. Oh, hang yeah. on, you're not counting skiing. We can't count. You said mountaineering, mountaineering which is going up. different. Yeah. yeah, skiing's coming down. Totally yeah. different. Although I bet a lot of people also die skiing. I know. I was just getting, I'm saying that because I'm worried that if you add in skiing, no, this is straight up mountaineering. But I think I don't think it's going to be as many as motorsport. But I I think it could be still quite high. Uh, I think I think this could be close. Shall we? Should we, rather than just guessing for another half an hour, should we ask Jen what the answer is? Come on, Jen. To get a Micromort score for mountaineering, we're looking at the ascent up Mount Everest. And for that, you first have to know that on average, there is one death for every 33 successful climbs. The mountain has many more people attempt it each year than those who enter the Isle of Man TT, but there are also more deaths. But does it top the Micromort score of 17,000? Well, yes. Climbing Mount Everest has a terrifying Micromort score of 30,303. Oh, 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 oh. I don't believe it. This is, this is a fraud. Recount, we need a recount. That's extraordinary. If there was anything that someone said, you've got a one in 33 chance of dying if you do that. I don't know what could possibly motivate me to do it. Wasn't it George Lee Mallory who was asked when he attempted to summit Mount Everest in 1924, why are you doing that? And he said, 
Because it's there. Because it's there. And I would counter, but you're probably going to die. I know. Yeah, but you're here. That's like, you know, why, you know, why did you cut off your own arm? Because mm, it's there. Why didn't you climb into that pizza oven? <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's a terrible reason for doing something. Yeah, it's just something's something there. madly dangerous. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, I mean, that's astonishing. I thought it would be high. I thought most sport would be high, but one in 33. I mean, I'm going to, I'm never going to get that nine grand back now. <laughs> I can't believe it. In a way, I feel a bit sad for you because I've won another one. Yeah. Uh, in a bigger way, I feel delighted for myself. Uh, yeah. Your, the smile on your face yeah. does, is not that of a man who's deflated. I feel like much like Everest, I've peaked. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's I, a high I'm, point in my life. Yeah, so I'm now going to now going to read the credits in a very sad way mm. after I've told you. It was a rocky episode for you. You keep going, I'll think of some more. The List of Absolutely Everything That Might Kill You is a podcast from Podimo and What's the Story Sounds. There was no way you were going to win this one because you get snow at the top of mountains. It's presented by me, Adam Kay. And me, Matt Edmondson. The episodes are researched and produced by Jack O'Kennedy. Executive producers for Podomo are Jake Chudnow and Matt White. And for What's the Story Sounds, it's Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. Time for us to get a cup of tea, put our feet up and ever rest. <laughs>